When I was a kid, I used to mix up Good Friday and Black Friday. Maybe you can see why. Good Friday is this day we think about Jesus' passion, his crucifixion, his death. And as a kid, I didn't see much very good about that. It seems pretty dark, pretty black to me. Plus, people wear black to funerals, and isn't that kind of what today is, a sort of a funeral for Jesus? Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, that seemed to me to be pretty good. You're in the middle of a four-day weekend. There's lots of football to watch on TV, lots of leftover Thanksgiving food, tons of sales at stores. You can get a jump on your Christmas shopping. What's so black about that? It seemed to me, as a kid, somewhere, someone along the lines got things mixed up. Good Friday was Black Friday, and Black Friday was Good Friday. Of course, as you probably know, Black Friday is a shortened name for get in the Black Friday, as in stores were operating in the red, running a deficit. They used discounts and sales to try to get people in the doors so they can do enough business to get out of the red and into the black on their, on their books, on the general ledger. And also, of course, the goodness in Good Friday is due to the fact that Christ's passion, crucifixion, and death brings about our atonement, our being made right with God. Because of this day, we're no longer destined for death, but in fact have the opportunity for eternal life. And this is good. But perhaps my confusion as a child wasn't actually all that far off. For, in fact, it seems as though with respect to God, we are deeply, deeply, deeply in the red. We owe God an insurmountable debt, a debt related both to our creation and also to our sin. For first, on the one hand, we human beings owe our very existence to God. We wouldn't even be here if it were not for God's act of creation and the fact that God continues to sustain the universe in existence. We literally owe everything to God. And so we are deeply in the red with God, and there's nothing that we could give to God to pay God back that doesn't already belong to God. And this debt situation doesn't even take sin into consideration. For, for a second, on the other hand, our sin is a profound and extraordinary offense to God. Here is this God, this all-powerful creator of the entire universe, who lovingly and graciously and generously gave us humans a wonderful planet, a beautiful garden in which we're to follow God's design for this universe by following God's guidelines for how to, how to treat God, how to treat each other, how to care for this world. And yet what do we do? How do we respond to this wonderful gift? We squander it, we waste it, we thumb our noses at God, we hate our neighbors, and we say, actually, God, I'm going to do things my way. Here's some news for you, God. I'm at the center of the universe, not you. God's already owed all the honor we could possibly muster, but when we then turn to think about our own selfishness, our own self-centeredness, our thinking that we are the center of the universe, that the debt that we owe to God expands exponentially. Instead of giving honor to God, we've given God offense. Instead of rightfully calling God worthy, 
We disrespectfully demean God. And so our debt to God is infinite, insurmountable, not humanly repayable. If we think about our reading from Hebrews tonight, I think we see this idea that our own efforts are hopelessly keeping us in the red. In this reading, the author of the letter to the Hebrews is comparing the the Old Testament sacrificial system to the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross, the focus of Good Friday. And the author writes that the law can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. These sacrifices as payments for the debt we owe are simply inadequate. And the author goes on, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins. The question the author raises is why do they have to keep sacrificing every year? Why do these sacrifices go on year after year after year? And the implicit answer seems to be because they're not good enough. They don't completely pay off the debt. Our U.S. national debt is currently close to $23 trillion, and these old sacrifices are like paying a few cents every year. We'll be stuck in the red forever. And even worse, the author of the letter goes on, but in these sacrifices there is a remainder, a reminder of sins every year, for it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. This indeed is a, a dire situation. Our debt is not humanly repayable. No mere human, no mere human effort could get us out of this situation. But, and here's the key turn in the story, but we have in Christ someone who's not a mere human. We have someone who is fully and truly human, but also fully and truly God. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, as we say in the creed. Yet because Christ is God, he has, a, has an infinite account, so to speak, with which to pay our infinite debt. And because Christ is a human, he can take our debt on as his own. By his death and by his cross, Christ enacts a great cosmic fund transfer, from his riches, our human debt is paid in full. And the author of the letter to the Hebrews goes on. He says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. By this, the author means that Christ completed the work of this cosmic fund transfer. He, he paid the debt in full. Further, the author goes on, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That, that's us, we who owe so much to God, we who have incurred a debt unpayable by ourselves, we who are hopelessly in the red, have by this single offering been perfected. Christ paid the debt, and now we're back in the black. We've had a debt owing to God everything, even our very existence, and our, our sin has plunged, so, plunged us so far into the red that 
no amount of mere human effort could ever hope to repay this. But Christ, who is God and a human, took upon himself this infinite debt, and by his single sacrifice has created an unlimited line of credit. And hence, in this service, on this Good Friday, we ask God to apply Christ's payment to all the areas in which there are debts in this world. We ask God for forgiveness of our own sin, our own selfishness, our own self-centeredness. In so doing, we ask God to direct Christ's payment to the debt we have incurred. But moreover, this line of credit doesn't just pay off the debt and get us back to zero on the ledger. Rather, it creates an infinite surplus as well. And so we also tonight, as we'll do in a few moments in the solemn collects, we ask God to direct sums of this payment elsewhere. Recall again what the author of Hebrews says about Christ. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And he goes on to say, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. So think of the work of a priest. A priest, whether in the Old Covenant or the New, serves as something of an intermediary between God and the people, bringing the people to God and conversely bringing God to the people. Jesus is our great priest, as the author says, who is in the holy place, in this meeting place with God. And as our priest, we enter with him into the holy place by Christ's blood, which is his infinite work. And Hebrews tells us that Christ is always interceding for us in the holy place, in this central meeting place with God. There he is pleading his work or applying his credit to the various things that concern us most. And the author of Hebrews tells us to draw near with confidence, with full assurance, to bring our requests to God through Christ in the holy place. And so in this service, on this day of the commemoration of getting out of the red and into the black, we join with Christ to ask God to direct Christ's payment to all manner of things that concern us in our earthly sojourn. We ask God in these solemn collects to direct Christ's payment to the church, that it would persevere in unity and in peace. We ask God to direct this payment to our bishops, to all the clergy, to all the people of God, that we be joined together in service of God. We ask God to direct this payment to our nation and to its leaders, something in dire need over this past year, that God's providence would guide our nation into peace. We ask God to direct Christ's payment to those preparing for baptism, to those suffering from evil, to those who have died, and even to all humanity. And in so doing, we place between God and ourselves the cross of Christ, the work that Christ has done, that God would see that our debt has been paid by Christ, and that we might adore and thank Christ for his infinite gift. So I invite you in this service to join in making these petitions in confidence and assurance that not because of our own work and effort, but because of the infinite work of Christ, we can with boldness make our requests to God.
Christ has this Friday put us back in the black. And this is very good indeed. Amen.